0: But we are in a space here today, and uh, man, I love it. This is just a beautiful time. I mean, I feel like I almost got to relearn a few things, you know, past six years and in church week in and week out and plugging away, and you can get so in the routine of life that you lose sight that when you're out of that routine of what all it took to do it, to accomplish it. And here we are today trying to rework these things, and maybe you're like me, you're, you're just trying to find your new what this new looks like for you in this season. And so one of the things that, uh, you know, I've just been thinking about and maybe you've heard me say it, but man, how prophetic the series that we did in February, All In, where we talked about this year, the vision for this year was going to be All In. And not from a standpoint of like, deplete your bank accounts and give it to the church, right? Not that. But from a standpoint of like, In order for us to accomplish the mission of Jesus Christ right here inside of our city, it's going to take all of us to do it. In order for us to change the spiritual climate of our city, it's going to take all of us to do that. It's going to be all in. And how prophetic that would be that a month later, we're shutting down the world and we cannot meet in person. We're not meeting in person. We could have met in person, but we're not meeting in person uh, to honor those things that were out there, and who who could have ever know that none of us could have ever know that. But one of the things that I've just been thinking about is thank God, and for His voice in my life, His voice in our church, that He would set us up for moments in the past, that we could be in a place of security, knowing what the future may hold. And when you have those moments in your life, you could we don't we don't have to fear anything, right? The whole time through COVID, I'm like, you know what? I don't know what the future holds, but what I do know. God has already spoken. Our church is all in. (laughs) And we're going to be, we're going to be, amen in Jesus' name, right? Amen. We're going to get on the other side of this better than whenever we came to the, we started it, right? And I truly believe that. And so this week I've been thinking about, man, what do I need to speak on? Do we continue with Acts 18, which there's some good stuff inside of there. We may do it next week. I'm not sure exactly where God's going to lead us, but where God has me at today, I've just been in a place of um, a hymn. And I don't know about you, all the OG people in here that grew up in church. Maybe you were underneath the pews like I was, but you heard this hymn. Uh, um, I've decided to follow Jesus. you know that song? I have decided. That's about as good as I'll be able to sing on that one note right there. To follow Jesus. I have decided. Yeah. To follow Jesus. Just in case you didn't decide, you don't remember. Ah, one more time. I have decided to follow Jesus. Now here's the part that's been standing out to me. No turning back. No turning back. What is the whole premise? I've decided, I've made a decision. And because of this decision I've made to follow Jesus as my Lord. I'm never going back to where I came from. And today, if you want to take notes across the top of your paper, write that across the top of your paper. No turning back. No turning back. No turning back. 175 days we've been away from each other. None of us in here could ever position ourselves to be in a place to say, you know what? Guess what's going to happen in 2020? (laughs) The world's going to be shut down. The economy's going to be shut down. Nobody could have prepared you for that. It hasn't happened, maybe, I mean, not even to this scale since 1917 with the Spanish flu. It it hasn't happened since then. Nobody could have prepared you for that. And so with that, we stepped into a time of uncharted and and the unknown, and and what we know is maybe we can look back and say there's a time before this virus entered into the world, and now we're existing in what they're calling the new normal, of which I think is gonna eventually just become normal again. But they want us to believe it's going to be a new normal. Okay, cool. We'll just, a new normal? And, and so we have thoughts of what was, but then we live in our existence today of what we have to do. And we walk into church and we're like, "Uh, do I, no, I can't. Okay, cool. <laughs> and there's this new thing that we're living in, but we have a remembrance of what was. You know, you ever been in a moment in your life where you are uh, living in a moment and you were thankful for a previous moment, a critical moment in the, in the past that prepared you for the moment you were living in, right? Now, this is essential whenever you're in your career that you have the proper training to perform whenever a certain crisis hits, right? I mean, if you've gone through some, uh, some uh, CPR training and then you get a person choking, usually it's a pretty good job that you're not just like kissing the person, you're actually trying to help them Live, right? You know, you thank God in that moment, like, I got the training, I know what to do, right? One of the things I thank God for is baby classes, parenting classes, before we had the baby. Because when we had the baby, I'm like, I don't know what to do with this thing. But since I handled a little baby doll, I actually could figure out how to do a diaper. Now I'm a master diaper, I'm the man. Blow out or not, I got you, okay? (laughs) So whether you're an infant or you're elderly, I got you, okay? I'm the man, I'm a diaper man, okay? But there's moments with blowouts and I'm thinking like, thank God that I had that parenting class. Thank God I know what to do, right? Thank God. And there's moments in which we live in that we can look back and say, thank God. There's moments we can be prepared for and then there's moments we cannot be prepared for. You know, a couple of months ago in February, on Valentine's Day, we had a dog of 13 years that has been with us for a large portion of our in which struggled in our, her health for a year. We dealt with all kinds of stuff, dealing with our dog. And it came to the point, it was like, we got to put her down. And I'm sitting here thinking, my, my wife is the one that is attached. What's up, baby girl? She's right there. Uh, right there. How are you doing, Heather? Okay, cool. My wife is in the 11 o'clock service. Amen. Um, uh, but she, she was attached to our dog, Lily. Like, very attached. So I'm sitting here thinking, when, when the time comes, I got to be strong for my wife. I got to be there for her. Well, the day comes and we're sitting in the parking lot. She's having to be strong for me. We're sitting there like, okay. Ah. And I'm like, you just go, Yeah, just go, you know? And she's like, baby, let's do this together. Blah, blah. I'm like, ah. there's some things in life you can prepare for, some things you cannot prepare for, right? And some things position you to be, you know, fully walk into it. Other things you just gotta live and experience it. And I'll tell you with what we're walking in here today, A lot of us, we couldn't prepare for this. A lot of this is just by experience. We got to get into it and we got to work through it in order to be refined and transformed to all that maybe God has for us on the other side of it. Things like this inside of life, right? You could be in a moment thankful for a prior moment. You could be in a situation thankful for a previous situation that prepared you. But maybe with this pandemic, global pandemic, you weren't prepared, And it's just something we got to work through. So with that today, I want to have a conversation around a season of maybe what we could call the desert. A moment in time which we're in a place that is uncharted territory where how we exist looks completely different than how we previously existed. And what we find in the desert may not be what we thought we would be in the desert. We look at the children of Israel, and I'll go back and look at this story very briefly. But how do they get there? The children of Israel are in a place where they've gone from prominence. Abraham called out of his father's land. You get two generations down. You get the uh, Jacob that is born. There's a famine in the land. His people are preserved by his youngest son, Joseph, that is now in uh, Egypt And second command. The whole family, 75 of them, moved down to Egypt. They're there. They have great provision. You get 430 years later... The children of Israel have gone from the pinnacle of the Egyptian society down to slaves of the Egyptian people. They've gone from pinnacle down to the lowest level of life. But God still had a promise for his people that they would be a people in which he would bless. And through those people, they would be a blessing to the world. And God begins to call them out of a place of slavery to the promised land that he had destined for them back to where he called Abraham, back to where Abraham, Isaac and Jacob dwelt inside of that land, back out of that place, uh, which they were led out of through famine down to Egypt and pulled them out. He was calling them back out of Egypt and slavery into that promised land. What do they have to do? You know, sometimes in life we can get so caught up in a level of comfortability that we lose sight of what we are afforded through our existence, where we are at. You ever been there pre-COVID? You know, we were just a we could go anywhere, do anything, book a trip, book a flight. We can go anywhere around the world. We can go anywhere inside of a restaurant. We can go watch any movie at any moment in time. We can do whatever we wanted. We live in America. The greatest nation, the most prosperous nation upon the face of the earth. And I would beg to argue across history. And we are a product, a people of this nation. The prosperity we've lived in, the money we've ever made. I mean, the medium income in America is 97% higher than the rest of the world. We are a prosperous people. Isn't it interesting that you can get into a level of comfort where you lose sight of the blessing that is afforded to you? The Israelites are down in Egypt. They may be slaves, but they're comfortable. We're a people. We're working hard. You know, we've been set apart from the Egyptians. We've been preserved. We're here. Things are good. We're just plugging away. We like slavery, but God had a different plan. There was a level of comfort, and God had to take him out of that level of comfort. So number one, if you want to write it down, you can write this across the top of your paper. or not across the top. You got, this has got to be number one, okay? You already got something on top of your paper. The first thing I want to hit you up with here today is uh, sometimes we have to become uncomfortable to find comfort in our creator. Sometimes in life, we got to become uncomfortable to find comfort inside of our creator. There can be a level of comfort in which we exist in, in our lives simply because of where we exist. We lack nothing. So why do we need to depend on God? We don't have fear of losing our job, because if we do, there's plenty of jobs out there, we're good, right? There's a level of comfort that can come inside of an existence that can push away from God, the human existence, human ideas. We don't need a God, we are our own God. We know how to pursue our own happiness. It's not through the righteousness of God laid out through his word, it's through our own ideas that we achieve happiness. Two opposing ideas that have been in conflict since the day that humans were born, so breed life into by God, the conflict that tension there in which we live, and we can come to a level of comfort through the provision of what has been placed in a previous generation. Their sacrifice has brought our peace. Their sacrifice has brought our prosperity. Then we can exist in a level of comfort that we lose sight of what it's, all, what it's taken in order to attain it. And so God sometimes has to push us, allow things to happen to get us uncomfortable to get us into a place where now we are finding comfort in him global pandemic why would this be allowed to happen on earth god could have stepped in and said no not in this season but we are in the greatest nation upon the face of the earth that has been formed and fashioned by Judeo Christian principles, formed and fashioned right out of this word right here. That is the greatest nation, the greatest ideals upon the face of the earth that now can be a beacon of light for the rest of the world on how to treat people, how to love people, how to encourage people. This is the word of God, and we are that beacon of hope for the world. And the moment that that is a threat, and a people do not appreciate this anymore, what do we? What needs to happen sometimes? Sometimes you got to push people out of the boat so there's some dependence on their creator. And so God in his infinite wisdom maybe has allowed a global pandemic to get Americans, Christians, out of their level of comfort, their ability just to rely on themselves to say, I've got to get you uncomfortable to get you to a place where you'll come to my comfort. Your creator, the one that has breathed life into your lungs. You're existing in an immoral society. You're existing in a society that's worldview is contrary to my word. And you are going along with it in comfort. And I got to get you out of your comfort so that you can get to my comfort. You can get to my protection. You can rely on me. You know, my daughters, when they get in an uncomfortable situation, there's a little weird things going on. They're in an environment they feel uncomfortable in. What do they do? They immediately run back to their biological parents. Why? Because there's been established relationship and actions that have modeled to them. If you are ever in trouble, you got to get to us because we will defend you at all costs. If you were ever in need, we got the provision. We got you, daughters. They will immediately run towards us and seek our comfort. I believe this is the season that we are in as a people. As a people, are we comfortable in all of our needs being met? That we don't need the creator of the universe. We got ourselves. Israel, when they're pulled out of the promised land, they're living in comfort. They're good. But they're saying, okay, maybe this promised land will go. Moses leads them out. They see the Red Sea parted. They come out on dry land, praise God, pursued by the the Egyptians. They get to a place and they begin to praise God. Immediately after praising God, singing songs of deliverance, praise God. Oh, you're so good. Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, he's so good. He's amazing. You know, all for me. Good, good, good. They got their song on him. It's like, yeah, like 80s style, you know, whatever it is. That was like horrible dancing. Please do not model this but what is the reality? They are singing songs of deliverance because they've come out of the hands of slavery. They're experiencing freedom. And the very next thing is Moses and Aaron, you've led us to a place that the water well that we are at is bitter. So yes, yay, we've been delivered. Yippee, yippee, skippee. But God really You've taken us to a place that we can't even drink water. What are we going to do? We're going to die out here. We're going to die of thirst out here. What are we going to do? What is it? The Israelites have been so comfortable in eating soup and having water in slavery that they would much rather go back to slavery than exist in freedom where they're dependent on God. They don't like the uncomfortableness, the uncomfortable. I don't even want to say that right, but... Being uncomfortable. They don't like being uncomfortable in the desert. Trusting God. They would much rather go back to security of slavery. They begin to complain. And I'll tell you today, what I think has happened for the American culture Christians is we've been brought into a desert for 175 days, and we are looking at ourselves saying, who are we? It's very easy to say you are something, when you are going through nothing. It's very easy to say what you will do whenever you are confronted, but what are you gonna do when you actually have to live it? And we have a generation of people. This is a critical time in history. Let me tell you where my heart is coming from. I believe this generation of Christians is gonna set the tempo for this century. I believe what we live here today is going to speak to future generations that are going to say, Thank God for the believers that existed in 2020, that didn't back down from a global pandemic, walk away from their faith, they didn't get lost in the desert, they stayed true to who God has called them to be so that they could get to the promised land that God has destined for them. Amen. Amen. That I believe, I mean, fundamentally, generations are going to look at us how do we respond in this moment? We've looked at ourselves. I mean, we've had multiple conversations as a church staff and as pastors with individuals that in this season thought they were something but realized they were not. Mental health issues has been on blast, clearly on display. Individuals are looking at themselves saying, I've always been busy. I've been able to exist in busyness to never deal with myself. And church is a place here today where we come in broken vessels in desperate need of a creator that knows us and knows how to put us back together. And in this season, maybe you are that individual. You're an individual that said, I've looked at myself and I'm not not happy with what I'm seeing. Maybe you are like the Israelites that you've been delivered. God has set you free. You're in a new, I mean, you are not where... you used to be in slavery you're not in bondage anymore but you are in freedom and you're having to walk with God and that is uncomfortable for you if you are feeling uncomfortable in your spirit today i'm telling you you got to get to your creator your comforter you got to get into his presence you got to allow him to engulf you and surround you and support you and encourage you and strengthen you you got to get into his presence You got to get into his word so that he can bring everything that you need with all that you're walking in here today. You got to be uncomfortable. You know, the children of Israel, they would find themselves complaining, complaining, God, how are we going to eat? It's much better for us to go back to slavery. I was okay. I'm going to bring manna from heaven. Well, man is not good enough. I mean, we had plenty of meat back in slavery. Okay, well, then I'll just rain down plenty of meat on you. Nothing was ever good enough. They just wanted to exist within their own provision and not walk with God. The thing about faith is it's walking with God daily. That's a relationship with God, that's a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's putting your dependence on Him. Every thought, Every decision, God, what what should I do here? Maybe you're not saying, Jesus, how should I respond? But what is it? I know what the truth of God's word says, so I'll never give in to a lie. And because the truth is so rooted in my heart, every decision I make is through this lens. I'm making every decision through this word right here. It is a light into my life, right? It's a light. It is a lamp to my feet. I can see clearly on where it's directing me. I'm giving this. Uh, I'm leaning in on this on all aspects of my life. The Israelites existed in the desert, but God was taking them through a process to get the desert out of them. They easily could have gone four days from Egypt right into the promised land, but it took them 40 years Because they had a lack of dependence on God. Let me just tell you, we've had 175 days in the middle of this pandemic. Let this be the last day that you lack dependence on God. Don't spend 40 years of your life in the pandemic fearful, faithless, you know, hopeless. No, no, no. Let this be a day you say it's over. That is over no turning back. I'm moving forward. Amen. The second thing I'll leave you with here today is today's victory is tomorrow's triumph. Today's victory is tomorrow's triumph with every step of the journey that the Israelites set in the desert with God was confronting their lack of faith in him. Their lack of trust in him. Each step of the journey was, I need you to be victorious in a small thing so that you can get down the road to be victorious and triumph over a big thing. I need you to face the small demons in your life so that you can face the giant demons that are in your future. A small victory today is setting you up to triumph for tomorrow. You're in a place where you can look back and say, I am not that man. I've confronted that issue. Thank God I had victory yesterday because I can triumph today and celebrate that victory from yesterday. You can be victorious every single day and saying, What you saw, maybe like what you saw in the mirror, man, I struggled with this. I struggled with that. Man, my anger's out of control. Domestic dispute over the last 100, 175 days is unbelievable. Why do, they want, why do they need kids to go back to school right now? Because domestic disputes are off the chain. Child abuse is off the chain right now in the homes. It's not just about, oh, we got to get kids in school because they need education. The research shows that these kids are detriment, are being uh, affected detrimentally inside of the homes because of the abuse that's going on and the lack of nutrition. What is this in this season? Teachers got to be like, it's, I'm an essential worker right now for the next generation. I got to be able to provide safe atmospheres for them to come to school and learn and be educated. I got to walk by faith and not by sight. I can only imagine if my wife said, you know what? Hey, I'm a doctor. Good luck. Ladies on delivering your babies. I'm not going in. It would be detrimental to the mom and detrimental to the baby essential workers walk in their calling to say, it doesn't matter what the future holds. It does not matter what's going on. God has called me to lead in this season and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability, the safest way possible with all the provisions in place. Why? Because I'm called to reach these kids. I'm called to teach and train these kids. I'm called to develop these kids. That's what I'm called to do. And so this victory, means small victories on a daily basis, we can get down the road and triumph inside of the future. The Israelites had to have the small battles in order to look back and walk into facing the giants of their future. Now, one of the key things that I want to bring out here is each one of us, I fundamentally believe, has giants that are living in your promised land. I'm referencing a story that happened 3,000 years ago. But the same thing is true. God has a destiny to prosper us, to empower us, to give us a hope and a future. Every single believer, Jeremiah 29, 11, we could all quote it inside of here. What am I speaking to? If you are saved by grace through the blood of Jesus Christ, you are destined to be a light into a broken world. God wants to use you as a vessel in every season of your life and every place that he calls you to to be a witness to those people around you. You have a promised land ahead of you. I got a promised land ahead of me. Now, here's the thing. If there is no victory in the desert, we cannot triumph inside of our future. If we lose our identity in the desert, we cannot face the giants that are in our promised land in the future. If we lose our faith in the desert, we won't have the faith necessary to face those giants that are in our promised land in the future. It's necessary today to combat and confront the deficiencies in your righteousness and your obedience towards God. Right? In your faithfulness, it's detriment. I mean, it's fundamental and pivotal that you confront these things. You get victory in the small things today. Because I fundamentally believe what is ahead of you, the giants that are already in your promised land, you can confront them. Because you've already confronted them. You confronted the ones in you in your desert. I believe that is the the case. For this generation, right here in America, what are the giants that exist in this land? Idolatry. There's so many things that we put before the Almighty God. There's more people that could probably quote lyrics out of songs than they can out of the Word of God. There's more people that look towards artists and actors and everything else in between, you know, athletes look more towards them and how to lead their lives than they do towards spiritual leaders of the truth of God's word. Idolatry is running rampant inside of our city, inside of our country and inside of our world. It's a giant that's in our land. FYI, Christians body of Christ here in America. It's a giant that is inside of our land. A giant that's inside of our land is a philosophy that is completely contrary to Judeo Judeo Christian values That's a giant inside of our land on the academic campuses all throughout the universities inside of our country. It's a giant that is operating inside of our high schools and our middle schools, and it's already being infiltrated into our elementary schools. Questions like, what's your pronoun? At an elementary level, conditioning our children to believe a false identity contrary to God's word. It's through it's a giant that is already in our land. And we could sit here today and say, "We're comfortable. We're good. It's all good." Guess what? It's not going to be good for our children. It's not going to be good for their children. What we are called to be is a blessing to our children, to our children's children. That's what we are called to do. It is pivotal in this generation that you and I rise up and say, you know what? We got small victories in our lives because there's giants that are in our land physically, giants that are going to be in our promised land of our future, and we can't allow these giants to exist. It's going to take a bold generation to say, we're standing up in Judeo-Christian values, uncompromised in their truth, and we are not backing down so that a future generation could look back and say, man, those are some people that really... Lived out the truth of God's word and didn't back down to a philosophy or an idea that was contrary to that worldview of Christian uh, Christian values, Christian principles of what Jesus came to live and serve. They can't manipulate the compassion of Christians anymore because Christians understand how to be graceful to a broken, sinful person and also truthful that this is how God's called us to live. They can't lie anymore. We're not sheep led to the slaughter. We're individuals that say, no, no, no. God is clear on what his word says. And because of that, we're clear on the boldness we're going to walk in. Come on, get ready for this generation. What I believe is that we can walk in a level of faith and belief necessary for the miraculous to show up amongst us. Jesus walked out of this city because there was a lack of belief. So therefore he could not perform miracles. And today, if we exist in a philosophy contrary to God's word, we will not have the belief necessary to God that wants to move on our behalf for him to move inside of our atmospheres and our places. The last thing I'll leave you with is this faith-filled steps, faith-filled steps, find favor with God. Faith-filled steps, find favor with God. Not human idea steps find favor with God. It's faith-filled steps in God finds favor with him. The righteous, right? Ordained by God. Faith-filled steps by people who believe in the creator of the universe will find favor with God. It's a different thing than our ideas, our, our steps, what we decide to do, how we decide to live, are going to find favor what is that we think we know how to live that's the human idea of today I'm Struggling with that since the existence of humanity we want to know our own truth right that's the human sin we want to push God out of it and we want to make the decisions that's why we are in the philosophy of today that's why it's running rampant on our campuses here today why because humans are pushing God out of the equation because there can't be absolutes there's way too many people upon the face of the earth. I mean, how could there be only, you know, one savior of the universe? How, what do you mean that there's only one God of all creation that sent his son to die for all? It can't be that. I mean, there's billions of people upon the face of the earth. I mean, how, how are we supposed to believe that? I mean, that's just so, uh, you know, that's so just, uh, you know, one-sided in one way. and I just can't believe that. And then you get Christians who're like, yeah, I guess so. I guess I don't, I don't really know what the truth says. So I'm just, uh, yeah, okay, cool. We're comfortable, yay. I'm making my payment. My house is good. My car, I'm good. We can't be like that. We got a people that know the truth and say, you know what? No, no, no. It's not my ideas that I'm going to step out in. It's God ideas that I'm going to step in. And because of that, I'm going to get to the promised land and face those giants in my land and in the land in which I exist in. Right? You see a world gone, la vida loca. Right? The funny thing is, it's just a few people, though. The media companies that are out there today, it's controlled by private corporations. Of the five major corporations, and I've said this in a past message, and I'll just be very clear with you on what I'm saying. Five of the major corporations that are out there today, are four of them are preaching one narrative and one narrative only. It's funny how the narrative just all of a sudden switched, where these are protesters to all of a sudden rioters, simply whenever voting data came out that they were, the country was concerned about rioters and the issues, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, well, yeah, we can, we can allow these rioters to do this. I mean, this is horrible. It's like, well, you've been calling them protesters for five months now, right? If we're believing one narrative by these individuals that are, have an, a, an idea, and opinion on what you should do and how you should think and how you should vote and how you, I'll tell you right now, those four narratives are not biblical, They are not Christian. They're completely contrary to this word right here. They're fighting for something completely different than what you and I are fighting for. They'll tell you straight up lies in order to get you believe lies. Faithful steps of individuals, believers say, I know what the truth of God's word is. I know what righteousness looks like. I know what justice looks like. I know how to go about that peacefully, right? I know how to stand for the faith and principles of God. I know how to disagree, right? I don't have to be violent to disagree. You and I may disagree on how happiness is lived out in this country, and that is okay. Hopefully the premise in which we're looking through is this, we just disagree on how to accomplish that, right? And that is okay. We can respectfully agree with that. But unfortunately, the culture in which we live in, the giant that's in this land will harm you if you do not agree with them. And just to let you know, if you are a Christian, their ideas, Marxist, Leninist ideas, are not Judeo Christian principles and values. It is contrary to their belief system. They're agnostic and atheist. There is no God, or there is a God, he doesn't care. Faith filled steps of believers is going to find favor with God. In this generation, what we live is going to find favor. God called Joshua, Moses. And that generation did not see the opportunity of the promised land and the opportunity of what God had for the future. So God said, "Okay, Moses and everybody 20 years old and older, you'll never see that promised land because you don't have the vision in your heart and the trust in your life in me that you're ever going to get there. But everybody 20 and below her, I'm going to get Egypt out of you so that you can get to that promised land that I have for you. And Joshua was picked. Joshua was was um chose to be the leader that would take the israelites out of their desert out of their place of complaining god you can't do and i don't know all the way to a place 40 years later where there are people that trust god completely there are people that honor their leader there are people that are trusting god in the process look in joshua In Joshua one, verse number six, it says, be strong and courageous for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors, I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. So he's telling hey, be strong and courageous. I'm behind you. I am your God. You're the leader of these people. Don't back down to the society. Don't back down to the giants that you may see. Be strong and courageous. There's giants in your land. Let me just tell you today, Christians, be strong and courageous. We're living in a godless country right now. It is a post-Christian nation. Be strong and courageous. God has called this generation to lead through this season. It's us. get this opportunity we don't just get to talk about it on sunday like yeah we're gonna be strong and courageous but the whole country's christian that was 50 years ago buddy that ship has sailed we're a post-christian nation with less than 30 percent of people coming to church on a weekly basis post-christian so be strong and courageous be strong and very courageous Be careful to obey all the instruction Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them turning uh, either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written inside of it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. So he gives them another. Be strong and courageous. FYI, study the book of instruction. Then you will be successful in all that you do. If today you're saying, I'm going to be strong and courageous. I'm going to stand up against the injustices in this earth and the Bibles in your house and you ain't got it with you. You are living upon that. That's not the that's this is not the reason why you do it. I don't think we're going to be successful in accomplishing the, pers- uh, the purposes of God. But if the body of Christ stands up and said, we're doing this thing right here. We're gonna stand up for injustice wherever it may exist. We're gonna stand up whenever there's wrongs for any type of person. Doesn't matter the color of their skin. If a wrong is a wrong. If something of in, uh, unjust happens to anybody, we're gonna be people that speak about it. Whenever a person goes and burns down a private business, we're gonna be people that speak about it. When an unjust action towards an individual, their life is taken because of unjust action, then we're going to speak about it, right? Over 950 law enforcement since the death of George Floyd has been harmed or killed since that day. Who are the people that are going to stand up and say, that is not right? Who? There's a whole lot of people that stood up whenever George Floyd died. We did ourselves. But who are the people that say, you know what? But it's also wrong that they're harming law enforcement. It's also wrong that they're killing dads and mothers that have families. And they're just trying to stand for law and order so that people can exist in peace. That there's a level of consistency to everyday life that you know when you walk out, you're not going to be harmed. Oh, that's what those people do. Cool. Is there bad actors? Everywhere. There's bad actors everywhere. Joshua was an individual that had to lead the children of Israel into their promised land. But the instruction was, don't deviate from the word. Study it day and night. You got to know the truth so you'll never fall for a lie. That's unfortunate. We got blind sheep in the church that are following a lie and not standing for the truth. They're standing for a truth. It's just not biblical truth. They've been they believe with their eyes what they see not knowing they've been deceived deceived you got to stand for truth wherever truth needs to be stood for you got to stand for justice wherever justice needs to be stood for that is the mandate of pearl street church that's what i call us to do this is not momentary this is a lifestyle and the faithful steps of the righteous Find favor with God. Jer- Joshua's in a place. He rallies up the entire children of Israel. Hey, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna walk across the Jordan River and we're gonna march around Jericho. They're in our promised land. This is what God has called us to do. We're going back to the land that Abraham was given by God. We've been out for 430 years, pool, but we're going back to our promised land. And there's giant land, all good, but we're going. And Joshua stands up in front of, you know, at 2.5 million people, they've gone from 75 that entered into Egypt to 2.5 million people, Jewish people now, Israelites. And they've gone from complaining as they entered into the desert to completely saying, Joshua, you are our leader. If God is saying this, then we will do it. You're saying march around Jericho. Sounds crazy, but I'm going to do it. The first day they go out, they march around Jericho one time. Then they come back to the camp. They're like, okay, cool. Uh, I thought we were like stepping in to like, You know god to give us this place i thought that was josh was like no 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 god god's gonna tell me whenever we need to give a shout of praise and those walls are gonna come down but it's not time yet and the children of israel that complained on the front end that didn't trust god on the front end of the desert on the back end of the desert like whatever you say we're gonna do next day they wake back up here's the plan we're gonna do exactly what we did yesterday we're gonna walk around and we're gonna come back and they're like okay Six days, they would do the exact same thing. March around Jericho. And on the seventh day, God's perfect number, the number of orders, seven. They walk around six times. The instruction is we're going to march around six times. And on the seventh time, then we're going to throw down with the shout of praise in their place. They're not complaining. God, why did you bring us Joshua? They don't know what they're doing. I just don't understand. God, what are you doing in the middle of this? They're on the other side and say, we're going to do whatever you want us to do, God. We don't have Egypt in us anymore. The desert, we've already moved beyond the desert. We're ready to walk into our promised land because there is giants, but we have small victories and we are triumphing over those victories. We are living in the grace of where you have us today. We are faithfully walking out steps and we're gonna find favor with you. We trust that you're gonna be on the other side of it. And when that happens, the seventh day, the seventh time walking around the city, praise comes out of it, and the walls come down. The start of the journey, to enter into the promised land. But it took them leaving Egypt, sitting in a desert for 40 years to get Egypt out of them, that they would completely be in alignment to trust God for their future. Come on, maybe you lived in a season, 175 days of a global pandemic. What you looked at in the mirror over these last 175 days is not what you wanted to see. But today you got a few things you're saying, I need to get some victory in this life because I am not triumphing. There's no triumph. I don't feel triumphant. I feel like I'm a, down in the bottom of the pit. I don't feel like I'm moving forward inside of my life. I don't even see a promised land. What are you talking about? All I see is a desert. It's desolate, it's arid, you know, I, there's no water, there's no provision. Well, I don't see what you see, and you feel desolate. Come on, it takes a faith-filled people to say, we're gonna stand up, and we're gonna believe what God, Lord says, We're going to be a generation that says, you know what? We can be uncomfortable, but when we're uncomfortable, we're going to run to the comfort of our creator. We're going to be individuals that continually every day work to victory in every area of our life of righteousness and obedience towards God's word so we can live a life of triumph. And in this life, man, we're going to continue as we move forward in our future. We're going to have faith-filled steps in alignment with God's purpose and will on my life so that we can find favor with our God. You don't feel like you're there today. Today's the day, this monumental moment. Or maybe you can say, enough's enough. It's enough living in comfort. It's time to get uncomfortable. Come on, can we stand up to our feet here today? I want to challenge you. I want to get you into a challenging spot. Hey, I know I said some challenging things here today. There's some challenging things that are being said here today. But if truth is not being spoken, where else are you going to hear this truth? You're not going to hear it anywhere in this culture. We got giants in our land. Giants that are in our land. That infiltrated our land, our ideas, our philosophies, our biblical principles. We got giants in our land. And we got to speak this truth so that we don't live according to a lie. The work of the enemy is to get us caught up emotionally. The work of God is to get you caught up in them and truth so you don't fall victim to the emotional lie the closer you live to truth the further you live away from lie As I said last week you keep God at the center nothing else can enter it was so good to have you tuned in right here today for this message, I pray that you are encouraged and you are strengthened inside of your faith, man. You are confident here today in, in accomplishing what God has laid out for you to do as a believer. Whatever sphere of influence that you are in, I pray that you are ready to get it done. Now, our kids experience is coming up next. Make sure you jump online, get your kids around. They'll be encouraged to get ready for their week. Outside of that, keep on making a difference in the world in which God has destined you to lead in. Have a great week.